1: Evening and uh, happy Chag Matzah, of which we are in the midst of. Uh, there are some of you who are still celebrating Bakutam because the sun hasn't set. We are post Bikkurim, but still in uh, in Chag Matzah. Uh, as uh, as we speak, it's just Kirk and I uh, here tonight. Our program is going to be on uh, Chag but before we uh, we get into it, I want to speak a little bit about last week's program. I had begun by saying, uh, I want you to be very careful about what you're going to hear. And the reason for that is that if you get caught up in the who, but you don't appreciate the why or the consequence of uh, what I'm going to share, then this information is actually dangerous to you. And unfortunately, we have had well, fortunately or unfortunately, we've kind of had a mixed back uh over the uh the last week. Uh, lots of people responding. I'd say that the uh, the most reliable, devoted covenant members, those who are the most engaged in um promoting Yahweh's message, uh all received it as Of course, this is what uh, needs to happen. Uh, This is the final resolution we have been looking for, and it's exciting. And almost everyone went about their investigation during the week to go through all of the prophecies that are about the fulfillment of Pesach in particular uh, to verify that they, uh, they indeed speak of doubt. Uh, there are a number of others that fall into one of two camps either. I can't picture Dode there. Well, great, because uh, no matter what you picture, it would be wrong. Uh, Dode was a beautiful, handsome man, and the body that uh, he occupied for this purpose was uh, nondescript. So it's uh, the appearance of the body uh, is uh, meaningless, so you shouldn't be trying to visualize it in that regard. Um, and... There are a number of others who uh, want to uh, claim credit that uh, that two or three years ago that uh, they said something of uh, a- along these lines, and and it is true that if you go back, in fact, I just had to edit it out of a chapter that I'm, I'm doing based upon a realization of the of the nefesh of Doed fulfilling Pesach and Matzah, Um That I began to uh, speak of this about five to six years ago, um, but didn't make a definitive declaration, nor did anyone else that's part of our community. Uh, It was just, there is this possibility. Um, Because of the fact that there are so many other things that you need to understand to advance uh, this uh, conclusion. And foremost among them is why. Why did Dode want to do it? And why did Yawa agree with him? And that's why we took so much time I, last week trying to understand the motivation for Dode's decision to fulfill the uh, first three MCRAs. As a matter of fact, he is responsible directly or indirectly for all seven. Uh, and the second aspect of it is, why did Yahweh agree to allow him to do it? Uh, which was the, always the stumbling block for me, is I couldn't imagine God allowing his beloved son to endure this until I realized that it was in Doe's best interest, and Doe's argument was irrefutable. It was brilliant, courageous, heroic. The next part of it is, is that the elegant solution that I came up with for the fulfillment, which was that Yahweh used his nefesh as if it were a probe, an avatar, if you will. Uh, that elegant solution still is required, a variation of it anyway, to fulfill Pesach and Matzah in this regard, because the body is irrelevant. What is relevant is Dod's soul being placed in it. Um, so there are lots of, uh, of issues uh, like that. There's also the realization that just because the Mismore in the low 20s that we read, all are very clear that it is Dode uh, performing this role. Um, uh, the next thing you have to do is to read the primary prophecy regarding the fulfillment of Pesach, Matz, and Makurim, And it is Mismore 22 and to determine that it's every word supports that conclusion. I finished that earlier today. Uh, It's a 71-page analysis of Ms. Moore 22. And uh, it is uh, much more uh, rational, much more uh, instructive when you recognize that Dote is, in fact, speaking of himself in first person, which is where we all began to move in this direction three or four years ago. Um, the biggest challenge for me was to get past Zechariah 12, where we've always thought that God was speaking in first person and said, uh, you will look upon me whom they have pierced and and then weep uh, as if we're only child. It goes on and on and on about this firstborn child. And so I I dealt with that because of uh, how Mismore 22 uses pierced. It also uses pierced, different word for pierced, but nonetheless it's repeated. And so I had to retranslate it and found out that God, of course, didn't say that you pierced me. We didn't pierce God. God can't be pierced. Uh no. but uh it it actually says that it's Dode who is named in it and it's Dode who was pierced. And the reason that the prophecy goes on and on about a firstborn son and weeping over this is because the reaction of every thoughtful moral Jew the moment they realize that there is no Jesus. There is no Christ. That it's the foremost among them, Dote, who served in this role that they have denied. They're going to weep. And Leah cried for a better part of a of a day and a half. Um, big crocodile tears rolled down my cheeks. I I was in tears writing about it. Um, so it is much more emphatic and rational and proclaimed from the right perspective. Mm -hmm. There is more to it than that, though, which is that once you come to this conclusion, you understand the motivation behind it and why Yahweh accepted it, and in fact why this is further proof that Yahweh doesn't do anything alone. And that all seven Mikre were either performed by Dode with assistance from Yahweh, or Dode was the principal actor in them, going all through all seven of them. But the natural conclusion of all this is, not only was there no Jesus and no Christ, there was no Yosha either. And we have sort of backfilled to get to uh, Yosha, because that name is never mentioned. There was a Yosha Ben-Nun, but he's an entirely different fellow living uh, 1,400 years earlier. There is not a single prophecy that says there's going to be a Yosha that's going to serve as the Passover uh, Passover lamb because he didn't. Not a single one. There's no prophecy about a future Yosha. So we backfilled because, well, somebody had to do it, and uh, that seemed like the most rational explanation but now you realize that there were no uh, or was no Yosha well certainly no Jesus no Christ uh, likely no disciples and that much of it is is extrapolated from what Doe did under a, a series of misnomers or completely denying what he did which is the nature of Judaism. So um, creating a false god that is a god-man doing all of this uh, is the nature of Christianity. I saw a funny spoof uh, today, Uh uh, a fellow that uh, does comedy here in the Virgin Islands, and he's coming back and he looks like he's uh, Jesus, you know, and, and a, a doofus guy says, uh, you must be Jesus. And he says, yes, I'm Jesus. What day is it? He says, well, it's Good Friday. Well, what happened on Good Friday to make it good? Oh, you were crucified. He says, and you think that's good? And, and what's that thing around your neck? Oh, it's a cross. I wear it for you. So the thing that I was tortured on is the symbol of your religion? Are you out of your mind? That's really um, uh, well, a funny bit, but it's uh, funny and uh, in truth. Talk about it. Uh, today is Good Friday for Christians. Uh, my neighbors held an Easter egg hunt unaware that uh, Easter was named after Ishtar, the Babylonian uh, mother of God and queen of heaven, uh, and that the uh, first eggs were dyed in uh, children's blood that were sacrificed for the occasion. It is a uh, a reprehensible thing. Uh, So in the realization that we are still celebrating chagmatza, it's what I want to talk about uh, on this program, because um, there is a realization far more important than understanding the reasons why a Dode chose, needed actually to serve as the pisach AL uh, and uh, to fulfill Matzah. Uh, and that truth is that the um, moed that we're celebrating isn't seven days of Passover, which is what the rabbis and Jews are doing. is the Passover holiday for them that lasts seven days where they remove chametz, yeast. Uh, and uh, uh, that's not Yahweh's description at all, completely in- inconsistent with what God has to say. From God's perspective, there is Chag Matzah of which Passover is just the first day. And that every superlative that God can use to describe something important to him is applied not to Passover, but to Matzah. And it's Chag Matzah that is seven days of which both... uh, the. and are part there was an interesting feedback after the program uh, with the D who is uh, attending to uh, her family uh, tonight uh, listening mm-hmm. but unable to participate uh, because of uh, of all the challenges of relatives out of town and and the uh, and the she's uh, chief mom and, and cook for for yeah. these uh, sure. for chag masa but uh, I made a a statement and I said so What happened on Pesach that is so wonderful that uh, Jews celebrate it as if it's the end-all and be-all? And the answer is, to the Jews, essentially nothing. Uh, Outside of their homes, uh, there was carnage, the death of uh, firstborns a meeting with Pharaoh that says, okay, you got me this time. I'm already going to let you go. Uh, But in terms of Jews, they had a lovely dinner. They had a good night's sleep. They would prepare for their departure because Moshe came back in the wee hours of the morning after his meeting with Pharaoh and say, you know, we we need to be prepared to leave in the morning. And while they left the following morning, it was still Pesach, they didn't get out of Egypt. Uh, The furthest they are said to have gone, is a pass that is a pass between what was the land of Egypt and the Sinai. And while Egypt, as it does today, controlled the Sinai, they didn't live in the Sinai. I mean, essentially no one lived in the the Sinai. Uh, And in fact, if you look at the route directly across the Sinai uh, to the Gulf Gulf of Aqaba, Nuiba Beach crossing, uh, there isn't even a town there now. You know, with all of our technology and ability to uh, to make even the most uh, inhospitable places livable, there's no towns even now. Mm-hmm. So the children of Israel, uh, from God's perspective, were still in the land of Mitzrayim through Passover, and they didn't reach the precipice of leaving the crucibles of human, religious, and political oppression until the evening of matzah when they uh, camped out at this pass. This is the the doorway from one to the other. So on Pesach, the door to extended life, uh, to a new life, was opened. But they didn't exit and walk away from the crucibles of human oppression until the, uh, the morning of matzah arriving really at that precipice uh, and the path uh, at the beginning of Matzah. And while they are shown um, being born anew, <coughs> crossing um, through the uh, the Gulf of Aqaba as the waters uh, uh, parted, which is really a, a sign of childbirth, you know, of the, of the you know, we use the term all the time, of the gushing waters mm-hmm. that you know, the breaking of the uh of the Ambionic sac and uh, and the birth of a child. As they went through the Gulf of Aqaba the waters parted and they gushed back together as they reached the other side. A new life uh, had begun. And well that's go coterminous with Bakutum. Uh there is a challenge in this regard in that the overall distance is close to two hundred miles and uh it, 20-25 miles a day uh-huh. is this really as far as a group of people like this could walk. Uh, it's interesting the way that Yahweh lays it out is it is in fact plausible with supernatural help to get from Goshen uh, to uh, the tip of the Red Sea where Suez is now, uh, the threshold to the Sinai uh, during that first day. Um, it would require some supernatural help, but it's, it's in the realm of plausibility. Uh, it's, I, you know, I'm, let's say it's just plausible. Uh, it would require some supernatural help, but to get the remainder of the way, which is about 130 miles, uh, by the end of, uh, before the sunset on Bokoram, uh, if it's the, uh, the third day, um, then that requires, again, some supernatural involvement. Because the furthest a person technically can walk a day, 24 hours a day is 100 miles, and you'd have a day and a half, so 150 miles. But a person can walk a 14-minute mile. They can run a three-minute mile if they're in great shape. Uh, but what you can't do is walk a... 14-minute mile, uh, hour after hour, uh, without stopping, resting, refueling, that sort of thing. And so you couldn't do it over a 36-hour period uh, unless there was supernatural intervention, of which you could be there technically at the, just the very moment the sun was setting on Bukurum. Uh But there's, there's some ambiguity here that makes it all feasible because there's also, and and this is one of the things our fact checker does, uh, Mike, uh, uh, his preference Mm is that uh, Bukutim is the next Shabbat, which would be a week later, which gives them plenty of time to get there. Uh, The problem with that is then then that understanding of Shabbat does not work well with Mismore 22, where it was two days that he was going to suffer, so that uh, he could uh, be um, really celebrating brilliant. with Yahweh for all yeah. eternity. And so the third day is the day of celebration, uh, not uh, a week later. Uh, but because of that ambiguity, uh, you have a, the, the built-in capability of having the timeline work without a supernatural intervention not that God was opposed to supernatural intervention at that point. In fact, he even uses the term, I, I, I used an unyielding and strong hand in this case, because the Israelites were not wise enough, courageous enough, capable enough of understanding the urgency of the matter and getting away from, uh, from Egypt. And so God said, you know, I, left, I led them with a strong hand. It was one of those things where I don't really care what you want at this point, I don't care that you're afraid, I don't care that you're tired. I really, those are not issues. It is imperative that I get you out. And so in this case, he led with a strong hand. So it's very possible that he could have intervened that way. But it, it gives you some flexibility in, in this regard in terms of how these things are interpreted. And I think, yeah, likes well, like that, because it, uh, it makes a variety of different scenarios possible and the allegorical and the uh, actual, to both be plausible. All right, so what we're going to do on this program is we're going to turn to the great realization that the most important time in our lives is Chag Matzah, this thing we're in the midst of celebrating, and that religious Jews have it wrong, and of course Christians and Muslims have it wrong, that Chag Matzah is the supreme event, the moed of matzah, and that Pesach is just the first day of it. And that Pesach opens the doorway to life, and matzah is the removal, uh, our removal, the, our scrubbing of our souls, if you will, of the stigma and stain and stench of religion and politics. And so that's why it's symbolic of leaving Mitzrayim, the place where they were oppressed politically and religiously. Uh, this leads to B'kodim. As a matter of fact, once you have accomplished the first two mikray, which uh, Dode's soul, working with the Iwa set apart spirit, uh, facilitated, the rest are are all consequences. They all flow one from another. They, you don't have to have a a special act to cause them to happen. Um, once the doorway to life is opened and we are perfected by the, by the fact that our guilt was all collectively taken into Sheol by Dode and discarded there, then the result for Dode and for us is that we are uh, reborn. We become firstborn children. And are born into the first family on Bakutam, Shabua is the consequence of all of that, such that Yahweh uh, now raising us as his children, enriches and empowers and enlightens us so that we can become effective troubadours for the message on Terua, the first and most enlightened person ever and the person who speaks of his enlightenment and shares it with us, is Dode. So Dode is the firstborn, the Bakura of Bakuram, and he is the most prolific recipient of Shabuah, enlightenment, enrichment, and empowerment. And the purpose of Teruah is to sing his praises, to tell the world that he is the man we ought to be following, that he is returning, that he is our savior. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the king. And that we need to be ready for his return, which will be on Kippurim, where he anoints the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it is during Sukkah that he becomes king. And I was just dealing with the 22nd Mismore that, of course, ends there and takes us all the way through the seven Moed Mikrei. And you wonder, OK, so why would God's children you know, in the future need a king? And it's answered at the end of the Mismore, which is that he's going to govern through wise counsel, through uh, mashal, uh, parables, painting word pictures. And as uh, as uh, Malak indicates, by being by providing counsel and advice. And it is because, again, that Yahweh doesn't want to do anything independently. And even leading his people throughout the universe and throughout time, he wants to do with one of his special children. And so Dode will be leading us, but with words, with advice, with counsel, uh, with uh, parables, which are contain some of the most profound guidance and teaching. And it's also interesting that the Mizmor, twenty second, also explains that we will be working with him. He's going to delegate many projects, and the the thing that I was always of the conclusion with: it's nice to be a Goyim at that point because it's the Yehudim that are going to have to uh, you know, do the work. I'll go ahead. Uh, guess what? It's not what it says. Oh, like <laughs> yeah. what it specifically says. Is that uh, Goyim will be working with him? Uh, so Dode's going to delegate. He's going to choose who he wants to work with, for no other reason than those people who are enlightening, or entertaining, or are just uh, effective uh, working with him. But uh, that is how uh, Suka will play out, and the reasons for it. All right, uh, this known. Um, let's share the story as Yahweh presents it. And uh, Kirk, when we get to, uh, I think there's four words that you uh, went to a significant degree to analyze. When we speak of them, I'm going to let you um, interject. Uh, This begins, and we're in um, uh, volume four now of uh, Yadayawa. It's called Invitations. I think it's the sixth. Chapter fifth or sixth chapter that begins uh, our, yeah, our presentation of matzah. Uh, and that story, of course, grows out of what God said, uh, beginning in the 23rd chapter of Kara called out Leviticus. And Yahweh spoke these words to Moshe, which means uh, one who draws out. In order to promise and say, under the auspices of free will, convey the word of God on behalf of the children of Yisrael, and say to them, the Moedim, the eternal witnesses of the appointed meeting times of Yahweh, are to show the way to the benefits of the relationship. You are continually and genuinely invited to attend them as set-apart, mikre, invitations to be called out and meet. They are my Mohadim, eternal witnesses to the appointed meeting times. That's Kara called out Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. So, uh, review this just a bit. It begins by offering Yahweh's name, something that you do not find in any place, at any time, in any of the writings of the books considered scripture by the Christians, the practitioners of Judaism, in any of its strains, or Islam. God is a name, it's easy to pronounce, it is based upon the verb that... He used to identify himself and describe his name to Moshe, which is HaYa. It can be easily understood and pronounced based upon the book that it is provided to us in, Torah. And it is Yahweh. There is no question that is how it's pronounced. And there is no question that God wants us to use it. And Yahweh spoke these words to Moshe, one who draws out. Um, there are a lot of people that God has chosen to work through. And again, unless it is, there is no other option, like when he's creating the universe and uh, then um, uh, conceiving life uh, where there are no humans to, uh, to work with uh, until uh, Adam exists and Chawa. After that point, which occurs early in, in the Torah and the book of Barashid, there isn't anything that God does alone. Everything. He chooses someone that he wishes to work with, even if they're not the sharpest tool in the shed. It is the purpose of creation, and God just does, doesn't does go against it. So some may say, wouldn't it be better if he bypassed the guys like Moshe and just spoke directly to us, no, it wouldn't be better. It would defeat God's purpose. (laughs) And, and God knows that he is more effective in communicating to us through us. And because when he communicates to us and not through us, it scares the bejesus out of us. Look at what happened during the Yatza Exodus. Now, the first person that God chose, and this was a mighty role, the liberation of his people out of the single greatest threat to them, which is um, civilization, um, uh, an empire that is based upon religion and politics. Liberation from that was a mighty job but delivering his Torah teaching and guidance and, and understanding it so that you could live it and communicate it was a bigger job. And the biggest job of all turned out to be hurting Jews through the desert. Mm-hmm. They're irascible. They're contentious. They are, in essence, impossible to please. And it is by understanding the, what Moshe endured that we come to appreciate why Dode chose to fulfill Pesach and Matzah. He realized there has never been anybody with the character and the consistency of Moshe. In terms of being consistently right, being consistently compassionate, being steadfast, no one holds a candle to, uh, to Moshe. He's the best that ever lived. And yet, the children of Israel routinely turned against him. It started right at the beginning when he stood up for one of them against the taskmaster, saved his life, and the elders of uh, Israel turned on him, which is why he left and went to Arabia. And Man. then during the, uh, the Exodus, uh, well, even before he comes Uh, Back, uh, he shows himself again as that guy when there are seven uh, young women who are tending their father's flock, and some raiders come uh, to steal their uh, their flock and harass them, and one aging man that stands up and says, no, you're not going to do that. These women are under my protection. You're going to go away. Uh, That takes courage. There's very few people with that kind of character and courage particularly to defend the defenseless. And then he begins this journey with them, goes right back to the heart of the beast that he left, which took tremendous confidence and courage. But he comes out, and the entire time, the children of Israel never stop bellyaching. They're complaining about everything. And they turn on him. At times, they even threaten to kill him. And he remains consistent and steadfast. And so Dode realized, as perfect as Moshe was, and as miraculous as the entire Yatsa Exodus experience was, and the fact that Moshe delivered the Torah and they still turned on him and didn't respect him, he knew that there was no chance that earn Israel's respect, as tough as they are to please, without having done something unimaginably heroic and generous and so that's the reason he volunteered to do this he knew that there was no way he could become king of the universe for all eternity with a cast of characters comprised of his people if, uh, if he didn't and so he demanded it for this reason and it's important to understand Moshe as the motivation so he he spoke to Moshe in order to promise and say, Laomar, under the auspices of free will, convey the word." Uh, and and it's the word of God on behalf of the children of Israel. Bene and Israel are both important. Bene means that God is viewing the Israelites as family, as children, because. That's the purpose, is to develop a covenant family. We, at our highest calling, become the sons and daughters of God. Yisrael is the ultimate uh, good news, bad news word. Uh, it's based on Ish, Sarah, uh, El. Yish is individual. Sarah is the name of the first woman who was part of the covenant. And El uh, is God. So Ish, Sarah, El means either individuals who are contentious with God and who wrestle and struggle with God, or individuals who engage and endure with God, positive or negative, and say to them. So this is communication over and over again. The Moadim uh, Ed in Hebrew is a restoring witness uh, and, uh, and eternal t- testimony. Uh, mo is like ma. It's an interrogatory, and it encourages us to be thoughtful and, and search the meaning of the eternal witness or our, our appointed uh, our um, restoring testimony. And the YM is strictly the plural. So the mm-hmm. Moedim, the eternal witnesses of the appointed meeting times of Yahweh. That means Christians are wrong when they say these are Jewish holidays. Passover is not a Jewish holiday. Matzah is, I don't know, of course, Matzah is not a Jewish holiday. They don't even recognize it. However, if they did, it would not be a Jewish holiday. It belongs to Yahweh, who just so happens to be God. And they exist according to Yahweh to show the ways to the benefits of the relationship. He goes on to say, you are continually and genuinely invited. Just in case you were confused as to what the next title represents, he provides the basis of the word's meaning. In kara, which is the verbal root of mikra in the the singular, mikray and the plural invitations to be called out and meet. Kara means that you are being invited or summoned, you're being welcomed to meet, you're being asked to read and recite, to make something designated and known. So you are continually and genuinely invited uh, to attend them as set apart Kodesh, separating, dedicating, preparing Mikre, invitations to be called out and meet. These are my Moedim, in case you didn't catch it the first time, witnesses to the appointed meeting times. All right. So, Kirk, I know that there's two words in there that you yes. did your, uh, your normal analysis of, uh, both yeah. uh, Moed, Moedim in the plural, and uh, Mikra, Mikray in the plural. Like? Well,
2: I I did the Mikray in particular. Uh, by the way, I want
1: to ask you one quick question before we begin. Boy, mm-hmm. boy
2: deem is that, that the Ed? Is that uh, it's the same root as Edon, right? So that's mm-hmm. right, Paul. The witness of the. Okay, mm-hmm. just 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 checking that. So, but I did mikrae and then I broke it down. I, I started with a little introduction, if you'll allow me. As uh, I, I just mm-hmm. try to put things in my own words, and then I'll I'll break down the letters. Uh, it's a personal invitation from the Almighty Creator of the Universe, Yahweh to meet and party with he and his family. It is mm-hmm. Kodesh, it's special, it's unique, and certainly not ordinary. It is set right. apart. Kodesh, Kodesh, I went on to say, means completely prepared, exceedingly pure, totally devoted, entirely dedicated, and wholly separated. Now, if you like where I got that, I got it from uh, six 6.3. So, I said, so listen and, and respond. Then I broke down the uh, mikra, and I said, uh, that's a mim, a quaff, resh, and an aleph. Mm-hmm. A mikra means to be called out, to invite, to meet, and reading. And then I wrote out the words in the in the letters, and I, maybe I'll get to post these one of these days so if, you, if someone's mm-hmm. interested. The mim asks us to question who, what, where, when, even why. The quaff is a symbol known to early Hebrews as the sun sets on the horizon, a time to meet, to gather, to tell all the news,
1: or a new or day or is it rising, Or, or it rising, or the rising. Or rising, that's so, what I mean, or it could be a new a day. New, yeah, a new, in, I mean. End of a day or, or a yeah. beginning of a new day. Or the beginning uh, of a day, yes. Increased light in the case of the mikra. Yes. And mikra well, would of light that you're if being you want called out. Yeah, the, the okay. M of mikra would mean you're being called out of the sea. The sea is the representative of of those who are not Yisrael um, so you're being and called out of the sea uh... which is not Yisrael and Mem also is water and the source of life so you're being called out of the uh, of the waters as a source of new life just as they crossed uh, over and through the Gulf of Aqaba as the seas collapsed uh, and gushing forth you're born uh, um, yet again so there are two aspects of the uh, of the water or the mem that uh, begin the word, and you're correct, that uh, 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 my uh, and the Hebrew is uh, to ponder the implications of.
2: Yeah, well, let's, let's extrapolate a little further because the mem is also chaotic and, and uh, stormy seas, which we always also use for all the goy, and they were being pulled out of the land of the yep. goy. So yep. Being called um, out of that. Even more right. so.
0: Right. Yes,
1: and you're correct. The the is the sunrise or sunset, so it's the mm-hmm. either the end of a era, as being called out of Egypt, or the beginning of a uh, of an era. They cross into the wilderness and have left Mitzrayim, uh, and it is the enlightenment of a new day and ending the darkness of a prior one.
2: Then I concluded with the quaff, I also said um, uh, light and time is also involved in that, which is an eternal connection, which they're being called away for. They be part of this family forever and ever. Then the Rash, or sometimes called the Rosh, is a uh, depiction of one of the one who shemars. In this case, is one who carefully considers and closely examines the words of Yah, the Torah instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also, I just as a, a sideline, it is also included. You can also include it's the top, the first, as in the first-born child, uh, or first-born children in this context. Which uh, I like the top in the. I used to worry about the top in the first all the time, but when you start talking about Dode, wow, does that fit? You know, anyone that and, uh, and then the Aleph, the next word, next letter, rather, the Aleph represents Yahweh. It sure. is his call to his children. It is the Creator of the universe making this engraved invitation.
1: Yeah, yeah may I, I Give you another uh, thought fellow. on uh, on the Certainly. LF. Um, well, sure. it is the first letter, and L father. I should be L God mm-hmm. or Ab Father. Uh, the LF is so the LF serves as the uh, LF Lamed uh, for uh, for God, or uh, LF Baeth, the first two letters for Father. Um, One of the things that uh, I learned as we were zeroing in on what uh, Dode represents is Zoroa is a protective ram, and it's drawn in the shape of a ram's head,
2: and also
1: the sacrificial lamb. And so the symbol for Dode would be the Aleph.
2: That should be on a flag.
1: <laughs> yes, that would be a good... He's the symbol for doubt, is the LF. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: then and I went on to say... The Mechrod, which is, you know, based upon Kara, were all fulfilled yeah. uh, with, through, and for the ultimate um, Zoroa, sacrificial lamb and protective ram.
2: Right. And the, uh, what I went on to say in the car was uh, to gather, to meet, to read, proclaim. These are the main things that we're doing to communicate this wonderful message, this news of the pathway to Yahweh's home and ours. And the roach implies, a re- in, in the roach is also incorporated in that, is also a responsive thing. After you read, you shemar, you understand, you respond. Um, there right. are a couple little things that I I'd do in addition they won't take but a minute. Even the two-letter root, which is a... Um, uh, a quaff and a roche, it means even in that level, it means to call, to meet, a meeting, to take action. As a noun, it represents the meaning or an event. And abstractly, you could even extrapolate that it stands for something precious and special. And might I add, uh, Kodesh, not ordinary. So to gather, Shamar, respond, Q, uh, the Q and the R. That's all I got, boss. Yes. So which, so which all of that. Yeah. So all yeah.
1: of that, uh, all of that would be uh, powerful. It's all uh, true. All uh, uh, exceedingly um, uh, uh, insightful in uh, in this regard. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, this takes us up, uh, to what uh, what God had to say next. He said, "For six days, she shall act." Engaging in the service of the spiritual messenger. Now, it's interesting that um, Dodd's able mm-hmm. to fulfill Pesach and Matzah and bokoram, um strictly because of the involvement of the Set-apart Spirit. She was the spiritual messenger. She took Dodd's uh, soul, Nefesh, away from the dying body that was fulfilling uh, Pesach as the Passover lamb and then she escorted not only Dode's body, but carried uh, with Dode all of the guilt of every covenant member throughout time, uh, depositing both all of that guilt and Dode's Nefesh soul into Sheol on matzah to unleaven, to de-yeast, to remove the fungus of religion and politics from our souls. She then busted him out. Uh, There's only one soul that has ever been retrieved from Sheol. It is Dode. She retrieved his soul uh, at the end of Matzah, the beginning of Bakudim, and then uh, spiritually anointing him again brought him back to uh, Moria uh, during the uh, first lights, the uh, kof, if you will, of a new day and mm-hmm. uh, where he not only showed himself to have been uh, the firstborn, which is what Yahweh calls him and why it's, it's essential, the dota is the one fulfilling Pesach and Matzah, because he is the only one that would qualify as the firstborn of Bukuram, which means firstborn children. Uh, and then uh, from there he went to the father, and it is the set-apart spirit who took him there, and it's the set-apart spirit that is then, Responsible for his enrichment, empowerment, uh, and enlightenment uh, throughout his entire life, and of course, the set apart spirit is the one who was uh, who came upon him, enveloped him while he was being anointed at uh, year eight, and uh, and may have come upon him uh, much earlier on his second of three uh, appearances. So, uh, that of our spirit plays a big role. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now, but, I was going to say another Christian killer you just mentioned. And I I didn't forgot about that. This, uh it, he didn't take on the sins of the world.
0: <laughs>
2: he right. Took on the sins of the covenant family. So, if anybody had any question about this, meaning right, no, yeah, no? that's
1: correct. There was no reason no. for him to take on the the guilt. And I, I'm going to use guilt as no. a uh, as a term.
2: Guilt. Okay. Fair uh, enough. The,
1: the 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 guilt is having missed the way and gone astray, uh, he took on the guilt of the Covenant family. And, and the way that it was removed for us is he took it all with him into Sheol and left it in that black hole where it is un, unseen and unretrievable. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's the reason <laughs> that Yahweh could then justifiably uh, exonerate him and, uh, and all of us in the, uh, in the process. Can
2: you, can you see it? Wow, that yeah. is great.
1: Yeah, so that, that's how the, the process works. And the set apart Spirit is playing a major role in this. So, uh, you know, God reminds us uh, uh, that, that this is a six-day journey to the seventh. Uh, the Moed Mikre play out under the same formula as creation. Uh, because it's, uh, the doorway is, uh, is day one. The threshold that, that we're, we're cleaned and perfected is day two. Bukurim will become firstborn children into Yahweh's family is day three. The step four is Shabua, Five is Teruah. Six is uh, Reconciliations. And the seventh step brings us home. Six steps to home. With the seventh uh, mm-hmm. representing home, and so it is the same thing of creation, where for six ga- days God did all of this stuff, and on the uh, the seventh day He enjoyed and uh, and celebrated the fruits fruits of His labor. Uh, the exact same th- thing theme is being conveyed here. For uh, six days she shall act, engaging in the service. Of the spiritual messenger, and then on the seventh day there will be a Shabbat observance, a Shabbaton, to consider everything associated with the promise and purpose of the set apart nature of the invitation to be called out and meet. All a Shabbaton is is a Shabbat type celebration or observance, uh, which doesn't mean don't do anything. Uh, and we just put oh. this in perspective. Uh, the the yatsa played out under the same days of the week as Dode's fulfillment of Pesach and Bakuram. Pesach, the meal was eaten on it was consumed on a Thursday, uh, and uh, Friday would still have been Pesach up to sunset, and the beginning of the Shabbat as we're celebrating this program at sunset mm-hmm. on the Friday evening. With the Shabbat lasting through Saturday, the children of Israel did not sit there uh, with uh, a thousand rules. They only can take uh, a certain number of steps from their house uh, on the Shabbat. No, they collected uh, gifts from the uh, uh, the Mitzray, the Egyptians. Uh, they uh, mm-hmm. they had their bags packed and oh, they yeah. uh, they traveled in the range of, uh, of 50 or 60 miles that day, so Shabbat is is um, is one of the few Hebrew words that is not based upon the verbal root. The verbal root, as a verb, means to cease, but it is not based on the verbal root. It uh, it is an entire concept and title in and of itself, and it speaks of observing this day that celebrates the uh, relationship. And it's a very active thing with God, not a passive thing uh, with him. Uh, and that is evident by what Yahweh asked them to do on that particular uh, Shabbat, where the activity was distancing themselves from a political and religious regime. So this goes on to, uh, to say the uh, spiritual, the maternal spiritual messenger works doing everything so that you do not have to do anything now what this means is that that as the moed and Mikre are fulfilled it is uh the set apart spirit who does all of the work um and she even transports dode's soul as it needs to be and then enriches and enlightens him and then teaches uh, us uh so that and amplifies our message uh, so that he can return on uh, Yom Kippurim, and we can celebrate Sukkah shelters together. In fact, throughout that process, she is our shelter. A garment of light uh, Mm -hmm. shelters us, making us appear uh, perfect. So she is really doing everything that needs to be done for us when we answer these invitations. Uh, We don't have to become perfect. She perfects us. Is the uh, is the thought? Okay, it is a Shabbat observance to approach Yahweh. So again, the Shabbat is Another active action. because its purpose yeah. is to approach Yahweh to live and abide throughout time. These godly eternal witnesses to the appointed meetings of Yahweh are set apart. That means they're separating, they're cleansing. They're unique, they're uncommon. Invitations to be called out and meet. Mikre. Which, to receive the benefits of the relationship, Asher, you are invited to attend to be called out and welcomed. Kara. Drawing near through them, him at the appointed time of the eternal witness, Ba Moadim. God is, is, is repetitive here because uh-huh. he's saying, the mikra are moadim, the mo'adim are mikra, they are mine, the purpose of them is for us to be close, for you to receive the benefits of the relationship. In the first month, on the 14th of the month, for the purpose of understanding, being at twilight is Passover. According to Yahweh. Now, I would think if it's according to Yahweh, that's going to be that—that that would suffice. It—it uh, uh, it, it is His plan. Dode's uh, very cl- uh, clear about this. He says, you know, uh, all of the accolades and the fame and the renown and the respect that I have derived from doing these things is because Yahweh made it possible. You know, and. No. Just on the surface, of course, uh, Yahweh continues to be God, whether there's a dote or not. But if there is no God, there is no dote. And even if uh, God created life and there was an absentee landlord, there's nothing that dote says or does that means anything apart from Yahweh. it gets really to the core of the the Christian stupidity of, uh, of Jesus. Dying doesn't bring life. It's, it's the sacrifice in conjunction with Pesach that matters. And, and extended life without being, having the stigma and stain of religion expunged to remove that fungus of, of yeast of religion from our souls is counterproductive unless they're celebrated together. And so Dode going to Sheol only has merit – in conjunction with Yahweh's uh, instructions on the matter, Pesach and Matzah. So it is Passover, Pesach, uh, according to Yahweh. And what is being passed over is death. Mm -hmm. And during the 15th day of this same month, which will be the next day, is the festival feast, the Chag Matzah, is the Chag of Matzah. It isn't an extension of Pesach. It is Chag Matzah to approach Yahweh. Seven days you shall eat bread without yeast. And the reason you are consuming bread without yeast is that Yahweh is removing that fungus that is so pervasive from our soul's using Doge's soul and the set-apart spirit to take our collective guilt and deposit it in Sheol, where it's never seen again. So we celebrate that by going seven days without that corrupting influence in our lives. It's a very straightforward story that uh, Yahweh is uh, is telling in this regard. He continues. The first, foremost, and primary day exists as a set-apart and cleansing invitation to be called out and meet, a mikra. Now this is the first day. He's now talking about chag matzah. Uh, so the first day is a set-apart and cleansing invitation to be called out. Religious Jews do not celebrate matzah as if it were a mikra. They celebrate Pesach, as if it were seven days. Matzah is simply an ingredient. Yahweh has, oh.
0: uh,
1: has matzah as the moed, as the mikra, as uh, the day that is Kodesh, and as a chag feast. I mean, He's pulling out all the stops to tell you this is really important, and yet all of the sages and the rabbinical Judaism collectively have missed this, and it is a day for you to approach. You shall not consistently perform any of the duties of the spiritual messenger. Um, Her duties are to take the guilt of the covenant members uh, and the the nephesh of Dod uh, to Sheol and to retrieve them at the end of this time uh if I were you I would not try to do that that is that is a level of competency well beyond <laughs> okay. yeah. what we Way can do yeah yeah beyond our grasp yes yes yeah. all right so uh moving on to uh God's uh, next uh, statement he says now approach and come near karaba this does not mean say make an offering Karab means to approach and come near. Be present. I've invited you to a party, a chag. I've invited you to be called out and meet, a mikra. I've invited you to a meeting uh, that is defined by the restoring witness and eternal testimony. So, my suggestion is to approach and come near and be present. karab and where do you want to be close to? Well, who's the operative agent through all of this uh, who is working so we don't have to? The set-apart spirit. Yeah. So yeah. now approach and come near to be present with the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, Ishe isha, the maternal nature of the one offering to enlighten, to be near Yahweh for seven days. On the seventh day, God says, there is a set apart, kodesh, that's as important a term as there is to Yahweh, invitation to be called out, a mikra. So the seventh day of matzah is a mikra in itself. It is an opportunity to be called out to meet with God, a time to read and recite his testimony. And you shall not do any part of the ministerial responsibilities of heaven's maternal messenger. Uh, This is Kara, called out, Leviticus 23.8. Now, I think uh, Pesach and Matzah are two other words that you uh, looked at. Uh, Kirk, what did you find when you yeah, examined Pesach did, and Matzah? Yeah,
2: I did that in the in Quran, just in case. Well, I, I, you know, you, you covered most of it, but I, I, I just analyzed it from the words, I mean, from the letters as well. And Pesach, of course, is uh, uh, to pass or to leap or to spring over. And the lot passed over the homes of, uh, of those marked with the lamb's blood on the pillars. And are spared. Uh, the pay is symbolic of the words communicated to us that uh, that are nourishing and life-giving. The shemek, which is looks like a, uh, a T with a few extra lines in it, is a thorny thing. It's a sharp piercing. Coincidentally, a sharp piercing material used as both a shield and as or a protective wall from for the sheep. It is used to mm-hmm. turn one from the direction of an to another. And it can also denote a form of uh, sign that gives directions as to which way to go. Then the third letter, the chet or het, sometimes um, represents the fence or the wall of the tent that separates the family and protects those that are in the shelter inside. Mm-hmm. So if you were most of these, you can figure out without the help of the letters. But I always find the letters to be interesting uh, in their own uh, in their own of their own accord. And then. Uh, and so we uh, so, very well about. Oh, sure. that, that glad. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. The masa is the mem uh, to said, or the tazde and the hay, and this is unleavened bread that is produced by the removal of the fungus known as yeast, symbolically of the remo- of the removal of man-made diseases such as religion, politics, military, economic schemes, and oppression of oppression. The MEM tells us that the, to question the confusion and the chaotic nature of these devices, these control mechanisms.
1: It yeah, also, also faith faith. MEM is the C mm-hmm. uh, representing uh, the influence of the, Gentile way. civilization. Yes, so indeed. They, uh, they are what is being removed from God's people.
2: Yes, that's right. It encompasses all of that, yes. I should have added that. The uh, test can can depict a student studying, examining, and reflecting on YAH's word. It also represents the renewal, which is the result of that person who is shamoring or just one who is studying carefully considering. And the hay, I call it an actionable symbol because it's one standing in awe of YAH and confidently engaged in the walk along the path to life. And that's uh, short, but uh, not much. Yeah.
1: Yep. By the way, uh, Moed, which we uh, which you didn't uh, analyze, just as a as a quick uh, review, mm-hmm. uh, the Mem again is uh, you're either uh, leaving the chaotic world of Gentiles represented by the sea, or you're emerging mm-hmm. from the living waters um, uh, as a new form of life. Uh, and that's followed by uh, an uh, an ain, which is uh, perspective viewpoint scene. So uh, an individual having uh, left the chaotic world of the uh, the gentile civilization, religion, and politics, is going to, to be able to perceive and look at and observe the ain, the I, and uh, the the left, the D is a doorway. They're going to see the doorway uh, to life, and the doorway to life in this case happens to be Pesach, which is where the journey begins. I am Yahweh. The blood will exist for you as a sign Uh, on your homes where you are revealing the benefits of the relationship. When I see the blood, I will observe Pesach, Passover, Passover providing immunity while protecting you. And the corrupting plague shall not exist uh, among you when I strike in the realm of Mitzrayim, the crucibles of political and religious oppression. Shemoth 12.13. This specific day will exist on your behalf as a memorial and reminder, as a zekharon, and you should celebrate Chagog a festival feast, Chag, to approach Yahweh throughout all of your lives and generations. Pesach is
2: oh, forever, a, a right?
1: festival feast. It is a memorial and a reminder that God uh, struck the realm of Mitzrayim to liberate, uh, to provide life. Uh, to the children on Yisrael on this day. Continually and gener- and and genuinely celebrating the festival feast with him as an engraved prescription for living, chukah forever.
2: Oh uh, wow.
1: Christianity
2: uh a uh, uh, <laughs> got a uh, now.
1: Yeah a, a, uh, a, a miscarriage, uh, born dead Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't celebrate PISOC at all, and uh, and yet it's to be uh, celebrated forever. great. has been great.
2: We may have lo- we've lost him for a minute. Let's see if he comes back on for a That was Shemoth, Exodus twelve, fourteen. I'll read a little bit 'cause it gets if you if you indulge me. Uh, seven days you should consistently consume matzah, bread without yeast. Indeed, and on the first and foremost day you should continuously observe the Shabbat by removing all the yeast from your homes and from your household. Truly because anyone and everyone who consumes to the point of being defined by having eaten Yeasty bread, that individual soul shall be cut off and separated from Yisrael, people who strive with Yahweh, for the first time in the foremost day until the seventh day is when you participate in that and you continue to do that, 1215. We have all of this on Yahweh's authority, whether we concur with him or not, whether we accept or reject his approach during Pesach and Masa, there will be no doubt there is God's instructions, and he wants us to know that our decisions have consequences. To survive beyond our mortal demise and enjoy eternal life as part of his family, we must capitalize upon Passover and unyested bread. These are Yahweh's gifts to his children, and considering the price he paid to deliver them and the value to us, he his, to rebuff his offer engenders a reciprocal response. If you, if you ignore him, he will ignore you. He said that multiple, multiple, multiple times. A trace amount of the blood on the Passover, of the Passover lambs, since it should not be consumed, is to be splattered on the framework of the doors of our homes. It serves as an off, an illustration, an asher showing the way to receive the benefits of the relationship. Pesach was conveyed as a verb describing what occurs when we accept Yahweh's offer of life on Passover. God himself, Pesach uh, al-Atim, observed Pesach, providing immunity while protecting us from the specter of death. Pesach uh, al-Atim reveals that upon Ra witnessing our compliance with this instruction, he will continue to move in a straightforward and linear fashion sparing us by removing the confrontational obstacles in the way so that we might not trip over them, making us vulnerable and impervious to the process. The reason, straightforward, is paramount because once we begin with Pesach, God wants us to stay the course, walking to him along the path that he has provided. Basil is the first step. unused bread is the second. Firstborn children is the third with the journey taking us to Sukkah, where we camp out with God. Rather than use mu'eth, the normal Hebrew word for death, Yahweh said that he was offering to keep us free from Negev La-Meshacheth. And my pronunciation is often bad, so bear with me. The corrupting plague of religion. Negev La-Mesheth is both debilitating and mortifying, degrading and incapacitating. Religion is a pandemic disease which afflicts, afflicts and ruins the soul by perverting the word, causing the victim to stumble into decay. We should never lose sight of the reason that Yahweh continually reminds us that he liberated the children of Israel from Mitzrayim, the crucible of political, political and religious oppression. Mitzrayim represents more than just a sliver of alluvial soil upon which the Israelites toiled on Egypt's, or Egypt's thrived. It was Manifests in every civilization and continues to be pervasive under fascism, under communism, under Islam, and Roman Catholicism. It is the cauldron of cruel perceptions of persecution where people are confined and restricted by military and economic institutions. misrium occurs when the empowered impose their will and control people's lives and restrict their freedoms. Throughout history, misery was imposed through a caste system, through slaves, and always at the bottom of the rung. A zecharone, like shabbaton, is inclusive of its own suffix, encouraging us to contemplate everything associated with remembering and commemorating his inherited right, inheritance right. We should be mindful of the relationship while mentioning that we have come to understand with others. Chagog and chag are the verbal and noun forms of the same thing, a party. Chag is a party, a time to celebrate a festival and enjoy the feast with God. This is neither a somber affair nor a sacrifice, but instead a celebration of our relationship. And it is true and during the annual holidays with God that we are invited to approach our maker. This is true for everyone, no matter where and when we might live. Further, Yahweh's ch- Chagog, his celebration, is a Chukwa, an engraved prescription for living, a clearly communicated and inscribed recommendation of what we should do in life to be cut into the covenant relationship, and it will be so olam forevermore. There are three Sheba sevens embedded throughout the Mikre, and these seven steps along the way, and two of them, Matza and sukkah. Are celebrated for seven days with an eighth day added to shelters obviously with eight being a representation of eternity to prolong and to and for our enjoyment it is for this duration of time that yahweh has invited us to avail ourselves of the heating and restorative properties of matzah food without the festering fungus of contaminating conflicts of yeast which is symbolic of the contentious disputes laden within every religion there is not only a Rishon, first and foremost day, associated with Shag Matzah. This identifying designation is repeated so that we do not miss the point. The first day of unyeasted bread is so special it is to be observed actively as a Shabbat, something God conveyed using the verbal form of the word. This not only tells us how we should spend the day with Yahweh, but also that Bakuram which follows the Shabbat is to be observed the following day. His Shabbat was scribed in the hiffle stem in perfect conjugation, second person, masculine, plural. Sounds a lot to know, but it's really easy. This means that if you consistently observe the Shabbat, you will contribute to the process of removing the contamination symbolized by yeast. We know this because Yahweh had wanted to simplify, simply convey, remove, and nothing else. He could have used any of the 12 different words, including shub, sabah, shub, nagag, Gola, bush, and many others. Therefore, the the affectionable form of Shabbat was chosen to convey some of all of the following, following. Shabbat, this is the time to reflect on the relationship, observing all of the promises associated with seven. On this association, we can celebrate the realization that our debts have been settled by removing everything associated with corrupting nature of yeast. When I first met uh, Craig, he and we were talking about these things on the air, uh, as well as in his books, he would say oftentimes that uh, the, uh, the best thing about this to know is to understand what it means we can't always do all the things that we have to do, or, or listed the way they're listed. We can obviously not eat yeast bread. That's simple enough. And we can, if we have lamb available, we can certainly uh, celebrate the uh, the party on Pesach the way it's intended to be. Times when people can't, but uh, regardless, it's best to understand it. I know that if you understand it, you can celebrate it with Yah, and and you can say thank you for what what He has done and what Adoat has. Uh, done for for all of us as well. To continue
3: that's
2: lovely. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not a hey, <laughs> interrupt
3: how you, you. Doing? I just wanted to say that's lovely. Doing great. Okay.
2: Well let me give it to you well he he wrote it. It's pretty good stuff. So uh but uh, inspired by y'all. Uh so I'll continue on in a minute, then uh, maybe you want to ship in. It is uh it is always instructive to consider why Yahweh uses the metaphor of yeast in conjunction with bread as a symbol for how religion and flicks, infects our soul. Yeast is unicellular. Let me just say right here, this guy is really has impressed me all you He'll dig up everything.
3: Yeah, no kidding. He won't
2: leave anything. He won't leave anything off the table for you not to figure out. So, so this, so, and it, it just amazes me, and I, I just I, I love him for it. Yeast is I a do, unicellular, look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, microorganism. I can't even say it, much less look it up, which is classified <laughs> as a fungus. As such, to live, it feeds off of an organic substrates, most commonly dead matter. It's, this is really uh, pertinent, I think. It is primary, yeah. His primary purses, purpose is, in nature rather, lies in the decomposition of that which was once alive In this way, it represents what happens to the soul of those who die estranged from Yahweh. They disintegrate and they are destroyed as their bodies decompose and their souls dissipate into nothingness. Further, as a fungus, yeast thrives in darkness. This is consistent with the plethora of corrupt religious schemes which are corrosive to our soul. So now if you want to explain to somebody what yeast is and why this is important, you should read this paragraph. This this is right. so telling in scientific terms.
0: So,
2: uh, you want to read a little bit? Yeah. Okay, start with you human want? hands. I'm on uh, four eleven. If you okay, that's quite a... Yeah, four eleven. You'll see in human hands is all
3: right. All right, in human hands, <clears throat> yeast is mostly co- most commonly used in the presence of oxygen. To aerate baked bread making it rise and to carbonate beer through the production of carbon dioxide which is a deadly gas when it depletes the oxygen we breathe the leavening process in dough causes a foaming action which permeates and softens the entire loaf this is done through fermentation biologically changing the chemistry of the dough as the yeast first reproduces to the consumption of carbohydrates in the flour reacting with water, heat, and acidity to produce either carbon dioxide or ethanol gas. In the absence of oxygen, yeast turns the sugars and carbohydrates in beer and wine into alcohol, actually ethanol, C2H5OH technically, through the fermentation process. The first lesson is that if it does not take much yeast and read their religion, To permeate the entire loaf of bread, representing our mortal nature, the second is that the byproduct of yeast in beer and wine, which is alcohol, is not the most desirable spirit with which to associate. Species of yeast are known as opportunistic pathogens, and these can cause infections in humans. There are a number of killer yeasts. Which secrete toxic proteins, which are lethal to receptive
0: cells.
3: (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this, but Cryptococcus neoformans, for example, is a yeast pathogen which kills. (laughs) That was a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) It's a yeast pathogen which kills some AIDS patients. Yeast of the Candida genus, causing irritating oral and vaginal infections. In many foods, and most notably with regard to cheeses and meats, the presence of yeast leads to spoilage.
2: Let me interrupt Adding just one in- quick second. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm just, just going to say, I just got a message. His 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 thing crashed, uh, c- not computer, but his internet crashed, so he can't get through, and he sent that message, and
3: okay. I
2: wonder, and, but I, he may have just wanted to avoid having to read this part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can
3: they give us the time? His step, timing huh? is
2: remarkable sometimes. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> oh,
3: no worries. All right. We may get cut off here in about seven minutes, so we should probably wrap it yes. up. Uh, yes. Yes. okay. That point. We'll
2: we we'll we we'll yeah, go to five thirty then. Okay. Oh your, right, your It'll sound, cut yeah.
3: us off. All right. Fire away, yeah. So um, adding insult to injury, yeast was used pervasively very early on in Egypt, the place from which Yahweh rescued his people. There, yeast existed as a natural contaminant in flour. It was also used to brew beer, the most prevalent beverage among the Egyptians at the time. Making sure that he had made his point, the same three Hebrew letters which comprised se'or, or, yeast, the or vocalized ta'ar means to exalt oneself, rising up in power, authority, and majesty, to covet and to crush. Pharaoh oh. had exalted himself by claiming to be the son of the sun. He lived majestically in religious and political splendor. He not only coveted the free labor his Israelite slaves were providing, crushing them became his way of rebelling against God. And as a result, he, his people, and their religion, were left behind as Yahweh led his people to the promised land, leaving Egypt in ruins. And what, Kirk? Weren't you telling me that uh, after the ex or the Yatza, Egypt experienced a dark age of a sort?
2: I think uh, oh, Egypt, yeah, they, were, were, they, they were in ruins after the, the, uh, the people always fill a void. I mean, there there were other tribes and other things, and Amalekites and I don't know which ones are all the different histories, but they they filled it with something. They were they were in charge. They were there was no army. Uh, right. There's an old record that says the Amalekites actually saw what happened there, and it frightened them to death. But they also knew that uh, there was okay. no there was what the other reports were. There was nothing in Egypt, so they went down there and took them over, and they they went through. And they, the, the empire is never much again. You know, yeah, it, it, wow. does bother, it does bother Israel later, but then you have Babylon, and then you have Assyria, and you have Persia, and so forth. Egyptian, uh, Egypt never grew again to the, anywhere right. close to a world power within the within that period, that area, rather. So, yeah, right. He, he punished him really badly.
3: Yeah, what a what a victory! All right, yeah. so a call was translated as who consumes to the point of being defined by having eaten that which yeast has embittered. It was written using the kal participle, making akal a verbal noun which is an actionable attribute. These concepts shade the verb such that it speaks of those who literally devour and actually feed upon something to the degree that they become what they have eaten, transformed and modified wow. by chamet that which tends to become soured, cruel, and oppressive. Being karat, oh, severed and separated, mm. cut off and banished from Israel is to die estranged from God and his people. Scribed in the Nifal perfect, the subjects cause their own demise, eliminating themselves at that moment in time. In other words, the religious have only themselves to blame for the express ticket to either death and the destruction of their souls, or eternal estrangement in Sheol, the place of separation. Yisrael represents the chosen people. This name ascribed to the descendants of Jacob, is a compound of yish Sarah, el It speaks of individuals who strive and struggle with, engage and endure with, persist and persevere with God, and who are liberated and empowered by the Almighty. It is far better to be counted among them than it is to oppose them. This message is as unequivocal as it is unaccommodating. Those who ignore Yahweh's instructions regarding unyeasted bread shall be cut off from the source of life. They shall be separated from God and banished from his presence, cut down, severed, and uprooted. From the vine, which is Yisrael, they will die, and they will find their souls destroyed. Yahweh has provided a plan, a seven-step path home. Follow it as he laid it out and fulfilled it, and you will live. Ignore it, change it, or reject it, and when you die, your soul will be destroyed. Such is the consequence of man's oppressive schemes, and most especially religion. For those who may protest at this point, saying that the penalty is simply expulsion from a country from which they have no affinity, beware of the reasons Yahweh coins, names which convey relevant meanings. To have caused oneself to be cut off from those who engage and endure with God is a poor life choice. This was not the first time, nor will it be the last time. God has been or will be. So direct regarding a departure from the very specific path he has described in the Torah, his first proclamation occurred in the discussion of Kasak um we have that might be a good minutes. place yeah. yeah,
2: that might be a good place to stop i'll i um um I don't know if I did the yeah. I didn't do pecurm this you want to do a quick let me just do a quick on the on the letters okay this is uh that is a bet kof wa, and rosh i found it spelled two different ways but that, that we'll go with that one for the moment this okay. would mean in first fruits firstborn children set apart kodesh and special how do we know that well the verbal root bakar consists of the firstborn mm-hmm. of offspring that is set apart by all definitions the uh, Beat is the family home, the tent and the shelter, and it's safe to make up the word. Followed by the word by the letter koth, which is in the hands, in the hand and open palm that welcomes, guides, instructs. Think so. Think of Yahweh's hand that uh, lifts up, and the two haze in his name that are there uh, for the child. The wa that reaches up, and the second and in the second spelling, there is a. Uh, Yod, I'm sorry, there's a, oh, listen, I beg your pardon, I'll get to the second spell in okay. a minute. The Y is, is that which joins us. The uh, the job of the Loewe, but really all of us, is it, it adds to the family and represents the object that secures the tent, the tent bag. And then okay. the Rosh or the Resh is the little figure of a head facing to the left. It is not only the one who shemars, the one who and responds, it is to see, to hear, to process, and to understand more clearly, it is the same one wow. uh, who thinks their way. It is someone who thinks their way to Yahweh. The second spelling has a, a, a yod in it between the uh, bet and the cough. and that's fine. And it still it still comes out the same way. Even better, is the yod or the yod. Of course, it's symbolic of the lifting hand of Yahweh placed in there. So he's doing the lifting up. He's uh, has the welcoming hand. It's all about the home, the family, the children, and the way they get there is of course by Shamar and Torah, uh, learning, studying his words, carefully consider them. I can't understand why someone would not want to uh, dig through this. You know, you and I have talked multiple times about this language is the freakiest language in the sense to me that (laughs) it it is it is as if it was written for no other reason than to tell the story. Yeah, you can go to the store, you can buy bread, yes, you can say hello and all that sort of thing. But every letter has a symbol, every symbol has a meaning. The words have symbolic meanings. They have it from way down deep to, to just beyond yeah. belief of uh, things. And the way they're put together, it is designed to tell this story, how to get you home to be part of his family. And I'm not a linguist, so maybe somebody can come up with some other language, but I doubt it very seriously. Seriously, <laughs> it, right. uh, it just it never it never amazes, it never uh, fails to amaze me or delight me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you're the same way because we talk all the time. So yeah,
3: yeah, I do. It's <laughs> a common theme in our family. We are the core. Firstborn children, yeah. along with Dode, you know, I think because of what he did, um, we are all in a sense. I mean, Dode is the firstborn, but we're all oh,
0: firstborn
3: yeah. children this covenant, so it pertains to us if we want it. Yeah, I love that.
0: Well,
2: I, yeah, indeed. Well, shall we wish everybody a happy chug? And uh, and because um, I don't think he's going to be able to come back on, so uh, we just no, his all, internet's
3: uh, down. She uh okay, lay to yeah, let
2: me no, know. So. No change. Okay, well yeah, sorry we're gonna uh, me so long deli- to join you. <laughs> no, no, I'll I'll I there's a thing called vamping in music. They just you just keep playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh I have a lot of, I can I have fill I can feel time. Uh till the real people get right. here. Okay. Uh, okay, okay. Well, what dad? a
3: wonderful piece and enjoy it. Um all of yes. our best from the Powers family to all the family.
2: Oh yeah, you know, us, us too, us too, All right. and uh, uh and to Craig and Leah, and take care everybody. Shalom, shalom. All right, happy Mitzvah, char- shalom, happy char- shalom. Yeah, happy Mitzvah. Okay.
3: Happy night. Good night.